0: Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Sunday morning service for June the 7th, 2020. It's good to be with you, and uh, we're just going to take a moment to pray together before we uh, spend a couple of moments worshiping God. And um, I would encourage you, in your home, you know, the week has been just crazy. If you're looking at the at the news and you're looking at what's going on, Uh, then there's a lot of uh, just chaos, uh, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of just emotion all over the place. And it's moments like this where we need to, when we have time to worship God and time to focus on Him. And when I say worship, it's not just the words that we sing. It's not just uh, music, but it's trying to block out everything else and trying to focus on God for a few moments, that's really, really healthy for your soul. So I would invite you to uh, to join in with us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you. We pray that you would help us to focus and to uh, put everything else aside. In Jesus' name, amen. To the one who lifts
1: us from the dark, To the one who breathes inside of us, oh, praise him, oh, praise him. To the one who died upon a cross, to the one who rose victorious, oh, praise him, oh, praise from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all people here below. We lift you high, fill up the sky with your praises. To the one whose kingdom has no end, to the one who's coming back again. Oh, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all people here below. We lift you high, fill up the sky. With praises praise Father Son and Holy Ghost we'll shout your name forevermore we lift you high fill up the sky with your praises fill up the sky sing it hallelujah hallelujah fill up the sky fill up the sky sing it halle hallelujah hallelujah fill up the sky fill up the sky the sky fill up the sky face in every sunrise, the colors of the morning are inside your eyes, the world awakens in the light of the day, I look up to the sky and say, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, You're beautiful, I see your power in the moonlit night Where planets are in motion and galaxies are bright We are amazed in the light of the stars It's all proclaiming who you are You're beautiful You're beautiful You're beautiful I see you there Hanging on a tree You bled and then you died And then you rose again for me Now you are sitting On your heavenly throne And soon we will be coming home you're beautiful you're beautiful you're beautiful when we arrive at eternity's shore where death is just a memory and tears are no more we'll enter in As the wedding bells ring Your bride will come together and we'll sing You're beautiful You're beautiful Oh, you're beautiful I see your face You're beautiful You're beautiful you're beautiful. I see your face. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful.
0: Well, Lord, we come to you and, um, help us God uh, there's so much noise uh, but help us we can look into the starry night we can uh... we can see the the, the sunrise we can see the beautiful sky Lord uh, yesterday we saw a, a rainbow in the sky here in the greater Montreal area and uh, there's so much about creation that just speaks forth your name and that shows us that you were real and it shows us that you're right here you haven't left us nor forsaken us but God it is it is very noisy out there and there's so much pain and a lot of anger in the air and and Lord um, we pray that through it all you would help us to focus on you you would help us to see your face and to understand the beauty of your face not in uh, physical appearance but God in uh, we speak of your character we speak of your nature we speak of your power and your holiness and your might and your grace and your love and your mercy and your forgiveness and your presence with us uh, Lord I pray for those who are who are tired today and uh, God just need uh, a fresh uh, wind to, to just blow into their hearts I pray that the the breath of the spirit of God would just bring fresh strength into people and god um, we continue to to go through this this unique time in our history this whole worldwide pandemic and uh, god we continue to pray for those who serve on the front lines those who are in hospitals those who are in areas where there's high risk of, uh, of infection uh, we pray for healthcare workers in our church today in the name of Jesus, you would just touch people, Lord. You would, you would protect people. You would fill people. And most of all, Lord, we would sense your presence with us, even as we are sort of scattered around uh, in our homes. I pray that we would sense the presence of God with us in these days. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And welcome again, everyone, and uh, thank you for tuning in with us. Again, today is June the 7th, 2020, and uh, this is a brand new series that we're going to start today. But thank you for joining in with us. And just a few announcements before we get into it. If you are visiting for the very first time, and uh, this is the first time that you've got onto our feed Maybe uh, you found out about us somehow. Maybe someone shared something, and uh, now you're now you're on, and now you're checking us out. Will you do me a favor and text the key phrase "reach the one" with no spaces to the phone number that you see on your screen, nine zero 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 one thirty. All I need is an email address, a name, and a cell phone, and I will email you a nice little gift that you are going to enjoy. Uh, please contact us through our website. Uh, you'll see the link on your screen there, and uh, the phone number is, is always, we're kind of always on, all right? So you can reach out to us at any point. Our website is being updated fairly regularly, okay? You'll see a special page uh, with regard to announcements during this time that we live in. And we've put videos on there now. I know some of you are not that comfortable as Facebook subscribers, and so you can watch our content online On video uh, on our website and also uh, we have audio recordings on the Podbean and Apple podcasts platforms Uh, by the way those of you who are watching you know you're there week after week uh, share 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 right Uh, we're here to reach the one who's far from God so that together we would become passionate followers of Jesus so you know you're you're an electronic preacher uh, you're a better preacher than me right now because you can press that share button on your on your phone or on your device and get the word out. okay. There's people watching all kinds of stuff online and uh, here we' we're, we're teaching the Bible online. So get the word out. Uh, thank you for your giving and your consistent generosity. We are weathering the storm uh, as a church. Wow, this is uh, I guess the third month. Yeah, third month that we're in this. And thank you so much for, for staying. And and you understand the power of your generosity and your donation, your contribution, right? We can continue to reach people. We can continue doing stuff online, which is what we're doing now. We can reach our uh, missionaries. I'll put a couple of pictures on the screen there, the Charbonneaux who are in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And I actually watched some of their church service today uh, on Facebook. I believe it's Église La Forteresse Page. You have to put the page at the end and you will see their feed. Uh, Otherwise, just contact me or go to HaitiMinistries.com and you should be able to find them online and watch them. I think they're on at 8.30 in the morning. And uh, Don and Marie-José Mann, who are going to be based in Canada now and doing leadership training uh, all around the world. So your giving helps us to fuel what they do. Um, One last announcement before we get into the message today. Starting tomorrow, I'll be back online every weekday, and we're going to start a series called Your Questions, God's Questions. So I'm going to answer on camera, whatever question you send to me Uh, we had started this a number of months ago and i started to answer some and i still have three or four that are backlogged so i'm going to try and handle those but anything else that you have and this idea comes out of uh some conversations that i've been having with someone at the mission where i have uh, where i serve a couple of days a, a week and she has a pile of questions uh that are fairly common but um it leads to great conversation. And so I'm going to answer some of those as well. But I would like you to do your part and send me your question. You can text it to me. You can uh, send it to me on uh, Facebook Messenger. You can call me. You can email me. All of our contact information is on our website and on our Facebook page. And I will answer those questions. You can forward the answers to your friends. Maybe you've heard a question from a Uh, non-Christian person, uh, maybe a person from a different religious view, you had no clue how to answer it, but you would like an answer and you'd like to send that person the answer, I would be delighted to do that. This is a way of evangelism. This is a way to reach people who have questions and many times their questions are roadblocks uh, to their faith. So uh, I would like you to send me your questions and I'll get started on that tomorrow. And, of course, those things are going to be posted on our website and all the audio platforms as well. And then we're going to see God's questions for us, because God asks a lot of questions in the Bible. Actually, Jesus asks a whole lot more questions than he answers. Um, and so we're going to do your questions, God questions beginning tomorrow, so please submit them, all right? Now then, we're starting a new series today called Podcasts from Peter, podcasts from Peter. So the idea of this is that we have two letters for us in the New Testament that have been preserved, and uh, these are letters that Peter wrote. We'll see to whom in a moment, Uh, but if Peter and Paul and John uh, and the writers of the New Testament had access to To the technology that we now have today in the 21st century, they would be on it all the time. All right. So when they're writing their letters, they're writing to an audience that they could not be with in person if they were able to be with the audience in person they would just say what they needed to say but for whatever reasons they were not be able to were not able to be with that audience in person so they used the first century technology of the you know the piece of animal skin and the writing instrument and they would write these letters and have them sent to the audience an epistle is like a sent letter uh, and much of the New Testament is like these letters that are sent to different audiences, and we know that Peter and Paul and uh, and Barnabas and Apollos and Timothy and all these people traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles, um, and they they would. If they had this technology that we have today, they would be using it all the time because they would reach a broader audience and people could even see them face to face. And uh, now we have this thing called Zoom uh, and we're going to do a Zoom call at one. Those of you who are on our list, you, you do have the link and you can join in. Uh, those of you who have just registered as first-time guests, I will check that quickly and send you the link before 1 p.m., but we're going to do a little Zoom call today and check in with one another. Well, if Paul and Peter had that type of technology, they would have used it all the time. So this is what we're doing today, podcasts from Peter, and this is, uh, we're going to go chapter by chapter. Peter's got two letters in the New Testament. We call them First Peter and Second Peter today. Um, and so we're going to start in First Peter and chapter 1, and I'll read the whole thing today uh, in different bits and pieces and parts, and uh, probably in the wrong order, but uh, we're, we'll just look at different parts of this and learn some things from these podcasts from Peter for this very um, surreal time that we live in today. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's Elect strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and obedience to jesus christ and sprinkling by his blood grace and peace be yours in abundance we'll just stop there for one moment because there's all kinds of terms being used here i'm going to put a map on the screen for you to see Uh, and this is extremely important for you to understand first and foremost peter is writing like likely in the early 60s not the 1960s the 60s so this is right at the beginning this is you know uh 30 some odd years after jesus was crucified and risen from the dead and so we have peter we're pretty sure writing from the er, in the early 60s from rome now he will identify that at the end of the letter he'll say babylon but we're pretty sure that he's referring to rome in a sort of a code language way Uh, John does this in the Apocalypse, in the book of Revelation. And we know that Peter, or fairly certain that Peter was martyred under Emperor Nero, who died in 68. So uh, many scholars will agree, and this is pretty well across the board, that Peter was martyred under Nero's reign. That would be sometime before 68, and so he's writing here in the early 60s from Rome. Now, you can see Rome on the left-hand side of your image there. Uh, There's like a pink uh, uh, area, and that's what was called Italy back then, still today. And then you have Rome there that I put in a little red circle, okay? And that's where Peter is writing from, and he is writing to churches far, far away, so I circled those over on the right-hand side, and named. Uh, he names those different areas. Uh, they are pretty well think of them as provinces, so Asia, Galatia, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Bithynia. And he says that these people are scattered. Um, and down at the bottom of your screen on the right-hand side, you'll see Jerusalem. Now this map is covering, I think, about... Um, Oh boy probably about 6000 square miles there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, distance between all these places you know just Jerusalem going up to Syria and Antioch is 300 miles so you're talking really hundreds into thousands of miles here on this map and so uh, Peter is writing to these people far to the uh, east of where he is and just so you get a bit of a bearing now if these people are scattered they're scattered from somewhere it's likely that his audience was predominantly predominantly Jewish because he's gonna quote from Leviticus which is the law he's gonna quote from Isaiah which is the prophets and the Gentiles wouldn't necessarily know these things the way that Peter writes them here so it's probably more of a Jewish than a Gentile audience Uh, In any case, they've been scattered from somewhere, and they've probably been scattered because of persecution in the area of Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Syria, and so on. And they fled uh, up north from the area of Judea because of persecution. And that would make sense uh, because of the way that Nero persecuted Christians. Uh, He did things that were unmentionable. To Christians including setting fire to the city of Rome in 64 and uh, blaming the Christians for it and persecuting them uh, brutally as a result so he is writing to scattered people um, as he as he picks up his pen and they're scattered because of persecution and this word scattered uh, is interesting, you know, because today we're kind of scattered all over the place in our homes. And we can't meet in person. We can't be in the same place at the same time for now. And we're kind of scattered uh, in different places. So it, we can relate to this this concept of, wow, you know, uh, we're all over the place. But I want you to see this, this concept first of identity that Peter is going to kind of imprint in his audience. This is a persecuted audience and he wants to encourage them and he wants to remind them of who they are. So these are people who he calls the elect, chosen people, who by the foreknowledge of God the Father, wow, so God foreknew that these people would decide to serve him. That's a pretty powerful concept. Through the sanctifying work of the spirit. So how are they how are they saved? Well, through the sanctifying work of the spirit, the spirit who cleans the person up from the inside out why for the obedience to jesus christ and sprinkling by his blood so he's trying to right off the bat encourage them remind them who they are and this is really the first theme of the chapter is the identity that these people have in the salvation story Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm in verse 3. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed to be revealed in the last time. So he's talking about this new birth and this again is imprinting in them remember your identity in salvation. God in his mercy has given you new birth. So our identity in salvation is something that I think we we forget in many ways today, Um, and he is going to go into length reminding them salvation, salvation, salvation. He uses the word about two or three times in this chapter, and he uses a term that is actually very rarely used in the New Testament. Uh, We see this term used by John, when he records a conversation between jesus and a man named nicodemus this term born again peter will use this term he will say at the end of the chapter you have been born again here in verse three the new birth so he's trying to remind them of who they are and their identity in salvation salvation from what well it is salvation quite simply from their sin and this is what he's going to remind them of because they're being persecuted in this world because they're going to go through difficulty and hardship in this world they must remember who they are that they are in a right standing with god that they walk without guilt that they walk without shame that they walk without condemnation and that eternal life is theirs in salvation. And so, just pause here, look at what's going on in our world today. If there ever was a moment for the story of the gospel to be communicated clearly, it is now. I'm going to put some images on your screen here. Here you see the can- Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau at a uh, uh, a protest. I think it was a Black Lives Matter protest in Toronto where you see him with his uh, mask on and kneeling. Uh, Justin Trudeau has um, been in the international news of late uh, because of a 22-second pause when he was asked a question about the recent events in the United States, in particular some of the things that the President Donald Trump has done, and there's this famous 22-second pause when he was asked that question, and in his reply he said this, there is a systemic racism problem in Canada. And he acknowledged this. And we also saw uh, this week that our uh, Quebec Premier uh, uh, Legault uh, said that there, while there is racism in the province, he does not believe that there is a systemic racism problem in the province of Quebec. And then we heard from Montreal Mayor Valérie Plante, who said, "Yes, there is a systemic racist problem." in our uh, city, uh, a problem of racism. Uh, Last week, there was a a protest, large protest in downtown Montreal. There will be one today. There's one happening today as we speak in downtown Montreal. There are protests in many major U.S. cities. There are protests in uh, other countries, uh, protesting specifically systemic racism in culture and society and in this world this is a time for the gospel message to be preached and to be proclaimed and to be demonstrated to people because when we use this term systemic racism is there systemic racism is there not systemic racism Uh, folks we have a much deeper problem on our hands And this is a problem that has been with us since since the beginning. And this is the problem of systemic sin. And this manifests itself in many, many ways, including racism. So this is something that that we have dealt with since the beginning. This I mean, you see racism in the Bible, um, uh, you, you see it from the book of Exodus when the Jewish people are enslaved by Pharaoh and by the Egyptians. I mean, I come from a, from a Jewish background. I'm very familiar with what racism is. My wife is, is not white, okay? Her skin is brown. She comes from Guyana. She's very familiar with systemic racism. Our daughter Sarah is biracial, so she's very familiar with it. It's always interesting when we walk down the street wherever uh, as a family and some of the ways that we're treated and some of the things that have been said and those of you who are watching right now uh, uh, you you understand that there is a systemic racist problem racism problem all over the world this is nothing new we see it in the bible we see it in even in jesus's time jesus arrest the uh, uh, um, jesus addressed the problem of racism he tells the story of the good samaritan well the people in judea the jews in judea did not like those in samaria because they didn't think that they were real jews they were kind of the offspring of the conquered peoples of the assyrians and they never were viewed as being real jews by those down south in judea and there was racist tension that Jesus addressed by telling the parable of the good Samaritan. Who did Jesus run into in Samaria at the well? A woman at the well. He's addressing a gender issue there. He's addressing a racism issue there. We see it in the Bible. We see it all over the world. Our missionaries in uh, in Haiti, I mean, I've been to Haiti. There is racism in Haiti as well, where even different shades of skin, uh, there are racist issues between those shades of skin. So this is something that has been with us since the beginning. This is something that we are now because of the heinous events that have taken place in the united states now caught on camera over and over and over again there are protests after protests after protests even in the in the time of a worldwide pandemic people are outraged people are afraid people are anxious people are, uh, there's emotions all over the place. And if you, you simply look at the news and you will see image after image, video after video is so disturbing and provoking so much thought and so much uh, emotion. I have seen racism even in the, the church world. Um, sometimes even in churches that that say that they don't have racism issues, I've seen it. I've seen it where people who are not uh, uh, white are are you know there's conversations sort of the, at the leadership level where people are kind of demeaned, people are excluded from certain leadership positions because of the color of their skin. Uh, I have seen that, and the and the church worldwide needs to take a look at itself um, if it wants to really pursue. Change in this area well now is the time for the gospel message which talks about salvation from sin it is only the gospel that can transform the racist heart it is only the gospel that can take a person and do a 180 degree change in their life that's the salvation story that Peter wants to remind these people about remember you're born again again remember you're saved remember you have an inheritance remember god's mercy remember he's given us the new birth and this is a transformation From the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit. I have known people who have been bitter racists, and when they came to Christ, there was a 180 degree uh, transformation in their lives, and what they hated before they now love, and it's just incredible, but only the gospel can do this. Now, I don't know why people are not uh, talking about what I'm about to mention, but over 200 years ago, we have an example of not systemic racism in one culture or one society or by just uh, you know demonstrated in police brutality toward a certain race or something no what we had uh 200 plus years ago and even starting in the 1500s was systemic continental racism systemic racism through continents okay that that was that was powerful and that was um uh accepted as something that was very very normal the picture on your screen is of William Wilberforce. If you do not know that name, I'm going to give you a piece of homework today, which you will really, uh, I think, benefit from. You need to go and rent or buy or find somewhere the 2007 movie called amazing grace all right and this is a fantastic depiction of the of the powerful work of william wilberforce an abolitionist who successfully and but but without uh, with a huge cost um uh tirelessly fought for the abolition of the transatlantic, the, the triangular, the transcontinental slave trade uh, that he finally got passed in the British Parliament in the year 1807. So 200 years later in the year 2007, there was a movie made to commemorate this. Uh, it's called Amazing Grace, and I would highly encourage you to watch this. This man was a Protestant... Uh, a born-again christian and because of his values and and the other abolitionists were as well they fought tirelessly in the british parliament to put an end to this horrible horrible sinful evil practice of the continental slave trade you say what was that well to give you a little history lesson very very briefly uh here's a map here of how it worked this is one of the simplest maps that i found and you see uh on the left hand side of your screen kind of in the corner there that's the americas uh north america in particular but south america as well as the americas uh, to, uh on the east you see uh, up the top there is is england and then africa underneath the continent of africa and what would happen there was this very very uh systemic uh uh racism that involved trade where you had you had uh Africans from the western western part of the continent who were being traded as slaves for things like sugar and coffee and tobacco and the, the problem was that in in the new world in the Americas they needed people to extract all of these raw materials the sugar and the coffee and the tobacco and so on and bring those raw materials over to England where they would They would produce things out of them, like uh, out of lumber. They would produce furniture out of sugar. They would uh, produce various kinds of foods Uh, uh, out of tobacco. They would make cigarettes Uh, out of cotton. Uh, They would make clothing. And then they would send those things and other things like brandy and guns down to Africa. And uh, some of the African leaders would, would basically sell people into slavery. And it would cost them nothing. And they would go on these, these ships uh, to the Caribbean and to the Americas if they even survived the journey. And those ships were absolutely deplorable, and they, they uh, put these people in shackles and treated them worse than animals is an absolutely horrific treatment of people that is based on systemic, racism and this is over 200 years ago it actually began in the 1500s has its roots there and this is this is what happened and Wilberforce and many of the abolitionists addressed this without uh, uh uh getting tired and uh they they pushed and pushed and pushed the British parliament to finally end this evil practice in 1807 it didn't end slavery but it ended the transcontinental slave trade that's the power of the gospel Because it is the gospel that teaches that people are equal in Christ apart from. Uh, gender apart from age apart from ethnicity apart from socioeconomic background whatever it doesn't matter the color of someone's skin people are created in the image of god and therefore people are of equal value and this defeats systemic racism uh, protests are good i mean uh in the 60s and and martin luther king jr you have uh i mean th- that 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 the work of that man and the the influence through the peaceful protest approach and the nonviolent approach is without precedent in history but you you combine that with wanting to change law this is the power of the gospel only the gospel can do this and ultimately it is only the gospel that can change the human heart and defeat something like uh, like um, racism and systemic racism and slavery and the like we still see slavery even happening today in many many places in the world so again it is only the power of God that can change the human heart and this is what peter wants to remind his uh, readers of the power of the gospel this is very very meaningful today if you are not telling people if you are a christ follower and you are not telling people about the salvation story that jesus christ died for our sins we can be forgiven of our sins and transformed from the inside out by the holy spirit in a born again experience an experience that's that's like being being born again from the inside out all over again where your whole your whole life is transformed over the rest of your life if you are not telling people about that story this is the time to tell people of the salvation story and this is what he's trying to remind people of and he tells them god is going to keep you until the end this phrase here who through faith are shielded by god's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to reveal be revealed in the last time it's not that there's a magic bubble around you okay and you're protected from everything that's not the language there the language uh, that the greek is trying to use there is this idea that god is going to preserve you to the end so that you will experience the salvation Uh, the power of salvation in full Uh, we talked about this a bit last week in the crisis of delay we're saved but we haven't experienced the full benefits of salvation yet we still live in a fallen world we still live in a broken body we still live in a world of decay and sin and suffering and so he says to them God is going to preserve you right to the end you are going to experience the full salvation power the full message of salvation the full glory of god you're going to experience that he's going to preserve you right till the end and he says in this you greatly rejoice though for a little while you you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials oh that's the part we don't like Um, that that in this world we will indeed face suffering this is a part that we want to skip over when we read first peter we want to get to the you know the more positive stuff we see this but we can frame this the way that peter framed it. look what he says Um, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when jesus christ is revealed so we will face trials we will face persecution we will face difficulties of one sort or another and when these things come we have to find a meaning in them we have to be able to look at them and say well I can't control what's happening to me here. But what can God do with this thing? What is it that is going to benefit me in the end of this thing, no matter how hard it is, no matter what the degree of suffering may be, no matter what the degree of persecution may be? How is it that God is going to be front and center in this thing? And the reason is that it will it will refine that faith in God. It will, it will purify that faith in God. It will, it will show itself to be of more value than anything in this world. These have come so that your faith, your faith, which perishes, or uh, sorry, uh, your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which, and even gold perishes, your faith may be proved genuine and authentic i'll use that word and that's what this world is looking for that's what you and i are looking for is a faith that is authentic not a faith that is going to cower Or a faith that is going to disintegrate when difficulties come, when trials come, when suffering comes, when persecution comes. If your faith is disintegrating when those things come, then your faith needs to grow. Because faith, no matter how small it is, is of greater value than even pure gold itself. And this is what he's teaching them. He's saying, you may lose it all but don't lose your faith in your moments of suffering you may lose everything you may lose your very life and tradition holds that peter was crucified upside down under nero's reign he lost everything we even see a conversation at the end of john's gospel where jesus hints at this type of thing happening to peter you can read it for yourself but peter is saying you may lose it all but you're not going to lose your faith though you you have not seen him you love him even though you do not see him now these are believers who are way up there way up north far far away from jerusalem where it all started though you do not see him now you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy are you do you have that inexpressible and glorious joy why for you are receiving the goal of your faith what is that goal is it so that i would have a nice easy life here on planet earth is it so that i would i would be you know healthy wealthy and wise and blessed all the time you are receiving the goal of your faith which is what the salvation of your souls back to the same story our souls are we are born in a condition of lostness of being lost i'm searching for the word there we're born with our back up against god we are born with a ticking time bomb in our hearts that leads to things like systemic racism our whole world our whole culture governs itself around systemic sin that is the problem of humanity and the goal of our faith is this our salvation from that the salvation of your souls he's referring to all of us when he's saying souls there he's not saying your soul is saved but your body's not saved and your spirit's saved and your soul's getting sanctified and your body's getting no he's saying all of you what you are who you are is going to experience salvation and this is the goal of your faith and he and he says the prophets they spoke of this they tried to search intently trying to figure out the circumstances verse 11 to which the spirit of christ in them was pointed when he predicted the sufferings of christ and the glories that would follow excuse me so he's saying that the spirit of christ was in the prophets of the old testament as they were writing jesus wasn't even born at that time so this is this is showing that the holy spirit is the spirit of christ this is showing the deity of jesus that he is god he didn't begin when he was born in bethlehem he he's uh, he's god he always was god he always will be god the spirit of christ was in those prophets predicting what would come uh, predicting the sufferings of christ and we see the prophetic picture from uh, from genesis onward of a, a picture of a suffering messiah and yet a glorified messiah it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you uh through the gospel by the holy spirit and the people who told them to you he says even angels long to look into these things the way that he explains the salvation story and the power of the gospel he's saying don't forget it yes you're going to suffer but don't forget about your faith don't throw your faith on the scrap heap of life your faith is going to come through fine it's going to be refined it's of even greater value than gold and then he calls them because of this because of the gospel message because they're born again because they they are god's elect because he he foreknew that they would choose him because they're sanctified by the work of the spirit because of jesus christ and so on he tells them and challenges them about holiness about holiness. So verse 13, he says, prepare your minds for action. And in 2 Peter, he'll say, I've written both of these letters to stimulate you to wholesome thinking, to wholesome thinking, be self-controlled, set your hope on the grace to be given to you when Jesus comes back. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but as he who called you, who called you is holy, be holy in all you do, for it is written, this is Levitical law be holy because I am holy. So the holiness that he's calling the people to is based on the character of God. We are to mimic the character of God. He is holy. It doesn't mean that you have friends who are only Christians. That's not what he's saying. It doesn't mean that, you know, women can't wear pants. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you be holy in your character and in your expression and in your relation with people in your relation with God you be holy in all you do the idea is set apart sanctify. it's like the mark of God is on everything you're doing if you're attending a protest, the mark of God is on your life. You're doing so in a holy fashion. in, in, in the way that you work, in the way that you, you you behave in school, all these things, your holiness is marking your life. The mark of God is on this person. and the way that they do things is different. He says, since you call on a father, who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear? This this idea of you're you're just passing through. I've heard so many comments uh, from parents and some kids about the movie Pilgrim's Progress, the most recent digitally animated movie Pilgrim's Progress. Th- that comes from this idea that we are kind of pilgrims here. Uh, passing through this world but this is not our kind of permanent home as it were in its present condition you know that it was not through perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers but by what by the precious blood of christ a lamb without blemish or defect he was chosen before the creation of the world. Wow. But revealed in these last times for your sake, through him, you believe in God. You want to know if God exists? Well, you believe in Jesus. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is coming. That's what we that's what we remember and celebrate at communion, which we'll do in just a few moments. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. So your faith and hope are in God. And he talks about purifying yourselves and loving one another deeply from the heart. That's what the gospel can do. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living word of God. For all men are like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field. From Isaiah, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that that was preached to you sometimes people get all picky about the word word they talk about Rema word and logos word and toss around these greek terms folks the the terms are used interchangeably he is talking about the power of the gospel to change people's lives pure and simple but there is a call to holiness in salvation because that holiness shows the mark of god on our lives it is not a kind of a pharisee holiness it is not a self-righteous arrogance it is you just living your life in an authentic fashion before god in this world and that is the message of chapter 1 of first peter so i thought it would be good today Uh, seeing it's the beginning of the month and given all that is going on in this world and um, given the message today that we would uh, have a time of communion. So I'm just going to put some music uh, on right now and give you a moment to uh to go ahead and prepare your emblems you just need some juice and some bread even if you don't have juice and you want to use water that is quite all right but i would like us to have a time of communion together from our homes so we'll take a, just a two minute break while you get prepared if you want to involve your kids in this i certainly encourage that so we'll we'll check in with you in just about two minutes Okay, let me read to you uh, something as you have your emblems um, with you today. Remember at the beginning of the letter, we see there that there are believers in a place called Bithynia in verse 1. And this is a detail probably that you, you haven't thought much about. Uh, you probably haven't thought much about, but I'm going to, uh, to enlighten you a little bit here um, we have uh, an ancient piece of literature. It's the oldest piece of literature that we have that is not written by a religious person, but it shows us what these early Christians believed and some of their practices. And it's really fascinating when you read a book like, well, when you read First Peter, uh, this, um, what I'm about to read to you is from the year about 110, and I, always, I pull this out uh, every once in a while in our church, and I thought it would be appropriate today, given what we have uh, read. And this is a letter from a governor by the name of Pliny, and he is writing to the Emperor Trajan, okay? So this is several years after Nero's reign, which ended in the year 68. This is about 110. Uh, Uh, Sorry, 112. So in about 110, Trajan had sent Pliny to guess where? Uh, The disorderly province of Bithynia. Ah, this is one of the places that Peter claims to be writing to here in the early 60s. And a couple of years later, Pliny writes to the emperor and he wants to know what am I supposed to do with these Christians? because i've got an unsigned list of uh, many of these christians it's been given to me and i have put them in prison but i do, know, do not know what to do with them uh, he wants to know what punishments would be appropriate should he punish the young uh, the with the same severity as he punishes the old uh, what punishments would be appropriate and so on. I'm just going to put on a little more music for you uh, in the background here and Pliny would complain to the emperor and he said you know many of all ages and every rank and both genders were involved in this thing and it was spreading like a disease Uh, interesting (laughs) phraseology there uh, as we face a worldwide pandemic now not the cities only but also the villages and the country were affected remember Peter is writing to believers all over the place up there and uh, even the temples the the pagan temples where they would buy animal sacrifices they couldn't find buyers because people were being converted and uh, starting to resist idolatry and um, the tone of Pliny's letter shows that this was not an altogether new movement. These people had been there uh, for some time. He threatened some of them, and they said, well, we already gave up being Christians a couple of decades earlier. So there were Christians there uh, well before Pliny entered the scene. And this is what he, he writes uh, that I'll read to you before we take communion. They maintained, however, that the amount of their fault or error had been this, that it was their habit on a fixed day to assemble before daylight and recite in turns a form of words to Christ as a God and that they bound themselves, here's the holiness part, and that they bound themselves with an oath not for any crime, but not to commit theft or robbery or adultery, not to break their word and not to deny a deposit when demanded. And after this was done, their custom was to depart and to meet again to take food. But ordinary and harmless food could be a mention there, Of communion what we are about to do but without knowing it this completely non-christian man from 112 AD is corroborating details that we see in the book of first Peter and even in the book of Acts it's just remarkable but you see even those early believers they got it they understood the gospel message transforms lives and we now live in a way that demonstrates that. It is not through uh, the, the, the the empty way of life that we are saved but by the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. This is what Peter uh, reminds the people. Um, so I'm just going to read uh, before we, we share together uh, the famous uh, passage that's often read in communion times in churches from the pen of Paul, and this is what he says. And you can you can take your your bread with you if you if you have it ready. This is what he says to them: For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that He was betrayed, He took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it, and He said. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you take the bread together with me? And he continues and he says, In the same way, after supper, this was a Passover meal after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me gospel story for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death you are the proclaimers the preachers of the lord's death until he comes would you take the juice with me Father, we do thank you. What a privilege to be a part of your community, your household of faith around the world. And uh, Lord, though we are scattered in our homes, there are there are hundreds, thousands, millions, perhaps billions of believers scattered in their homes today, so many of them using technology to be with one another to communicate so many of them even today uh taking the the emblems and remembering your death and resurrection and lord we are so privileged to be a part of what you are doing help us lord help us like never before we need your presence in our lives there are stresses from every direction things going on lord that that many of us have not seen in our lifetime uh this whole this whole movement of protest and uh all that is happening especially in north america but even in different parts of the world oh god we pray that we would be salt and light in this world that the mark of god would be on our lives i pray for people who are watching listening Um, and they don't know for sure if they have a relationship with you, don't know if they are followers of Jesus. Would you draw them closer to you, O God? Uh, We cry out uh, together, Lord, have mercy on us. God, have mercy on our communities and our cities and our nations and our world. Have mercy on us and show yourself again and again in our lives Lord that we would be your witnesses right where we are. I pray for people, Lord, as we talk about holiness and they're struggling with some particular sin, some particular habit that just has them bound. I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would enable people, you would set people free, that they would experience the power of salvation and the gospel message. We pray in Jesus name. Amen amen. Well, God bless you today, and thank you so much for joining in with us. I look forward to checking in with you on Zoom in about 55 minutes. Again, if you are visiting with us, maybe you tune in a little bit late, uh, we'll put that announcement on the screen. If you text that number uh, and the key phrase, reach the one, we'll get you on our electronic list. You'll have Zoom call access. Uh, We'll give you access to uh, a bunch of other things as well. And it's just kind of your way of connecting. So uh, God bless you and have a wonderful... uh, Uh, rest of day, a wonderful Sunday. I look forward to being with you again tomorrow on video as I start answering those questions. So send them in. And again, God bless you.